So once again, happy Sabbath and happy new year. Happy now that I have Costa Rocket, <laughs> Ruckus, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this week I was thinking about sharing with you guys. You ever been told not to fear? Do not fear. I mean, I'm the oldest of three boys in a Latino family. You know, and the macho thing in the, amongst the Latino is that you, you should not be afraid. Boys are not, should not be afraid. The reality is, many times I felt afraid. <clears throat> I grew up and learned so many things, and then I got a book that has a very interesting title. I was looking at it in my house this week. Fear and Other Uninvited Guests. Because sometimes fear has this thing about, you know, creeping in to our lives. You know, we are living in fearful times. We are living in times where we must be reminded. We never thought we were going to be entering the second decade of the 21st century. I remember in the 1980s when I was finishing high school, I heard pastors preach and say, hey, I don't think we're ever, I don't think we're gonna make it to the 2000s. And we made it and went through it. And yes, it's, uh, these are scary times. Nobody in Puerto Rico thought as they were celebrating Christmas, the way in Puerto Rico they celebrate Christmas, nobody thought that they would be a few days later battling for their lives. Again, once again, losing their power and, and things like that. I had a cousin who lost, her power, lost the power in, uh, when Hurricane Maria came through, and it took about two years for her to get electricity back. And now she probably she doesn't have any electricity anymore right now because she lives up in the mountains of Puerto Rico. So it's not like here in Crestline where you know, we had some snow on Christmas, and we had a couple days where we lost electricity, but it was just a couple days. And, and uh, we had solar power batteries for our phones and things like that. It, they don't have none of that, nothing of that. So we are in fearful times. Ah, I, was, I was thinking about all this, and I found these interesting interesting data about another very dreadful and fearful time in the history of the United States. I'm talking about about 100 years back. This church is about to celebrate 100 years. Not 10 years after the foundation of this church, the United States went through a period that was called the Great Depression. I mean, let me give you some data about that because I found, I found this to be interesting. Between 1929 and 1933, the stock market fell in its value 90%. And we cry when it falls one or 2% nowadays. 11,000 banks closed, went into bankruptcy. 11,000 banks, 
25%. That was the percentage of unemployment. That meant one in every four people was unemployed. And we were so scared when it hit 10% in the last. In the middle of all this, you know, President Roosevelt gets elected. And in his inaugural statement, you remember what he said? Come on, it's one of the most famous statements by President Delano Roosevelt. Exactly. Exactly. He said, there is nothing to fear but fear itself. Because you see, fear tends to freeze us. Paralyze us. It is so big, so big, that the statement, do not fear, can be found in the Bible, guess how many times? 365 times. It seems like even before we had the calendar that we have today, God knew that we needed to be reminded on a daily basis that we need not fear. And I complained in the beginning of my sermon saying, you know, I was told that I need, that I need not uh, fear as a child. And growing up, I was told, don't fear, don't fear, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And nobody ever told me why. Has anybody told you why you need not be afraid? Well, the Bible text that I'm basing my sermon on today is the answer to that question. <laughs> And today you're going to get two sermons. One is the two-minute sermon in reading the, the text, and then the rest, the, the lessons that we're going to let of that, the learn out of that. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, one of the most powerful verses in the Word of God. Isaiah 41, verse 10. You, you there? Say amen when you got it. I need everybody to have that Bible text right there. It's in the program. All right. I'm reading from the King James, New King James Version, and it says, Fear not. There's a statement. There is a, there's an order. Fear not. But God gives you the reason why. Fear not, for I am with you. Oh, interesting. So the way for me to fear not is to realize that God is with me. Hmm. Be not dismayed, he goes on, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Dismay means that I'm losing my power, that I'm losing my might, I'm losing the, 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 the strength that I need. And the Bible says that God is my strength. So, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. 
And then it says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is powerful. That's the two-minute sermon. Now let's, let's break it up. A text out of its context is always a pretext. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, pre, the, the context about this. If you go back to chapter 39, something interesting has happened. And it is the introduction to what you guys are studying in the Sabbath school lesson. I kept biting my tongue because I wanted to say something, but I couldn't. Because that was going to spoil my sermon if I did. <clears throat> Verse 39. Let's, let's paint the picture. Let's paint the story. Chapter 39, chapter 39. All right. So there is a group of Babylonian ambassadors that come to Jerusalem. And King Hezekiah, King Hezekiah is like, oh, man, they're good people. And if you go back a little bit, something happened with King Hezekiah. He got sick. Isaiah comes to him and says, you're going to die. And he's like, no, I don't want to die. Okay. So he starts bar bargaining with God. And finally, God gives him 15 more years. Remember that? Mm -hmm. All right. After God gives him 15 more years, he gets news that the Babylonian ambassadors are coming over. But the Babylonian ambassadors were really not coming in a mission of peace they were coming in a mission of spyness of spying and hezekiah makes the mistake of rather than talking about the great things that god had done for him he goes around and shows the riches so all he did was invite them to come and ransack jerusalem after hezekiah does that, God speaks through Isaiah to Hezekiah and delivers a big blow. Because of what you have done, the Babylonians will come and take you captive. And they will disperse you throughout the land and, you will have no, and Jerusalem will be no more. But this is the interesting thing. God has delivered very bad news. You will be destroyed. You will be scattered around the world. But from that moment on, chapter 40 and 41, God seems to be making all the effort to remind the people of God, the people of Israel, I will not, I will not leave you alone. Although you have to go through this very difficult time, you're going to be scattered throughout the world. You're going to be taken away. Your children will be taken away from you. Your women will be killed. Your men will be killed. Everybody. Jerusalem will not be standing anymore. I will be with you. No matter what happened, I will be with you. That is the context upon which God is speaking to his people. And as you begin, as we begin a new year, let's start thinking that way. As we are starting new years. And let me tell you something. Things are not going to get better. 
The Bible is clear. Things are not going to get better. But in the middle of all that, fear not, for I am with you. I love it. I love it the way uh, Mark Lowry, I don't know if you know who he is, Mark Lowry. He is a Christian comedian. And he is, he's funny. He tells the story about this. He says that he bought a boat. And he started to live on that boat. And the hurricane come through. And so he gets told that he needs to take the boat out of the uh, marina so that he could, you know, maybe protect the boat. So he takes the boat out of the arena and the hurricane comes through and the boat is rope rocking and you know bobbing and going to one side and the other and one uh, in a certain moment the boat goes one way and he is falling and he grabs one curtain and he sees outside the window and he sees the thunder and the lightning and all that and he for a second goes that's beautiful but then he is afraid. He says he's afraid because he feels like the boat is going to capsize or maybe he's going to die. And then the next morning, after the hurricane goes through, he goes back to the, to the marina. And then they get together at the coffee shop and they're drinking coffee and having a good time. And then all of a sudden it hits him. And he goes, I would have enjoyed this hurricane a lot had I known I was going to live through it. You see the point he's making? It's a powerful statement. Because even though we may go through the hurricane of life nowadays, we will, we will live through it. Thank you, Alicia, for that amen. amen. Here's the, th no, no, let me, let me just unpack this. Let me just unpack this. Because no matter what happens, even if I die, I'm going to live through it. What, Pastor Ivan? Are you crazy? All right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So when God tells me on a daily basis, 365 times in the Bible, fear not, for I am with you. I hold you. You are with me. I am not going to let you go. I am not going to let you go through. I am with you. I hold you in the palm of my righteous hand. There are three things that we need to be reminded of this. There are three things that I take out of this Bible text. Number one is that he promised his presence right before Jesus left back into heaven he told his disciples lo I am with you sometimes always. what is always means so my Sabbath school teacher got it wrong when she said that maybe when I went to places where I shouldn't go God didn't go there with me. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mention a place. <laughs> I didn't mention a place. I just said that maybe when I went to places where I shouldn't go, God didn't go with me. 
the Bible says that God is always with me. As a matter of fact, he goes as far as to say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, uh, David says, where can I flee from your presence? Even if I make my bed in the Shechol. You know what that is. Yeah, we know. Even if I make my bed, you go there. Wherever I go, I cannot fly from God's presence. Because God's eyes are always on me. And here's another lesson I learned. Different. Because when I was a kid, I was told God was always looking at me with a piece of paper trying to write down where I went wrong. But what I have learned and what I learned from reading the Bible is that God's eyes are on me because he loves me so much he can't take his eyes off of me. Paul said it another way. He said, he said, what can separate us from the love of God? What? So the first, for the, the first thing I learned from this is that God is ever present in my life. Wherever I go, whatever I do, God is with me. And please don't misunderstand me. Let's go back to that. When I go to places where I shouldn't go. God is with me there. Not because God wants to make that place right. Going to a place where I shouldn't. Where I'm not supposed to go. Is still a sin. But God is with me all the time. Because he is constantly. Constantly. And here's the second lesson, protecting me. So, and not only that, protection not only is about keeping dangers away from me. Protection is also the offer of a solution to the human condition of sin. Are you, are you with me? Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? God's protection is also, also includes the fact that the wages of sin is death. But also that fact that God so loved me that he is trying every possible way to save me. Even if it means going with me to a place where I'm not supposed to go. He knows I need him. He knows there's no way I can make it through unless he is holding me. I mean, there's a lot of people in this world who think, ah, I got all, all I need. I can make it on my own. I respect them. 
if you have strong enough, if you're strong enough to take it off, you know, pull yourself by your own bootstraps and move on, it's okay. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. But I need Jesus. I need God to lead me through life. I need to feel the presence and the direction of God. I need to feel the protection of God. Listen, guys, I board 120 flights a year. I need to feel that God is sustaining that big bird. Just last week, on last Sunday, I was flying back from Tucson. And interestingly enough, there is no direct flight from Tucson to Ontario, so you have to, you know, go around Tucson to San Jose, San Jose, Ontario. So on the flight from San Jose to Ontario, I got into the plane, took my seat, and then there was, I had the window seat, and there was two ladies <coughs> who sat next to me. And coming down here into Ontario on last Sunday was a bit bumpy. You know, especially when you're coming from San Jose, you got to get on the tail of the Santa Ana winds. And you know how that, the, the airplane rocks up and down and all that. And the two ladies were so scared, so scared. I, I, I was telling my wife, normally she's with me when I travel, but at this time she wasn't. I was telling my wife on Sunday evening, I said, thank God you weren't there because you wouldn't gotten jealous. <laughs> And I also thank God that they had each other because one of them, the next, the one that was sitting next to me would have grabbed my hand if she had a chance, <laughs> if she had a chance. But the interesting thing about this is that when we have fear, when we experience fear, we always need to extend a hand and find something that will give us some sort of security. As a, ch as, a chill, as a child, maybe, you had a security blanket or a safety uh, animal, you know, or whatever it is. Oh. Listen, this thing about comfort animals in airplanes, is, it's getting crazy. Yeah, but you know, people are, are, what I'm saying is, people are flying with all kinds of animals. Yeah. Let me go back to my flight now, this time from here to Tucson. And I had to stop at Vegas, at Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of the plane and there's a lot of people coming out with their little dogs and all that. And I'm saying, you know what, one of these days, I am going to get me a big brain Dane, because that's my kind of comfort animal. <laughs> Two seconds later, I turn around, and there's this guy with a big great Dane and that little vest that they put on it that says, this is a security or what? No, no, it's not a service. It's a comfort, comfort animal. Yes. <laughs> But you know what is interesting? There is a, I, that same day, I, I got a ding on my, uh, on my um, Apple News. And I looked at it, that there's a lady in Massachusetts who is going all the way up to the uh, Supreme Court 
because she wants her pet snake to be the one that she can bring in the airplane. Mm -mm. I ain't getting in that plane myself. <laughs> I don't care what kind of snake. I don't like snakes. I don't want them near me. If somebody likes them, good for them, but not near me. But a lot of people have fallen into this because they want to feel that protection thing. God has promised he will protect us no matter what. Dog. What is interesting that you bring that up, um, it's going to stop me a little bit on my sermon, but it's okay. Matthew chapter 6. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6? Why do you have to worry? Why? Do not worry about anything, saying, what shall I wear? What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 now. For after all these things, the gentles seek. For you, your heavenly Father, knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. On the context, it says, you know, have you ever seen a bird worrying about where he's gonna, what he's going to eat? Have you ever seen a flower worried about what she's going to wear? That takes me to the third and last point here. First one, he has promised his presence. Fear not because he is with you. Second, fear not because he will protect you. And third, fear not because he will provide. He will provide. Wow. What do you mean? In an age, this is interesting and important. In an age where if you and I have a problem and we don't have money to solve that problem, we can actually get a piece of, piece of plastic and pay for that and resolve the problem that we have. But in the Bible times, this is interesting. Bible tells me that Many times, whenever Israel, whenever the people of God went through troubles, was because they did not trust God's provision. Let's go back all the way to the beginning. Let's talk about, for example, Abraham. God promised, I will give you a son. Sarah said, uh, I'm old. Probably I'm not going to be able to give you a child. So why don't you have a son, a son with Hagar, my daughter, my servant. All right. And 
to this day, we're still paying for the consequences of that mistake. Why? Because the children of Hagar are what we know, what we know today as the Palestines, the Muslims. And the children of Sarah, or the, the, the children of Isaiah, uh, Isaac, I'm sorry. The children of Isaac are the, son of Israel, the sons of Israel. And you see how they can't stand each other, and they're even, they're cousins. They're cousins. So whenever we don't trust God, we mess up God's plan. <laughs> and the interesting thing is God has to intervene and solve the problem for us. The, the other big problem we have is that when God intervenes and solves the problem with us, then we complain God does not respect our, uh, our whatever it is that we, whatever illusion we feel like we have. But the Bible tells me God God will provide his presence. God will provide his protection. And God will provide his provision. Every story in the Bible can be traced back to those three principles. Every story in our lives can be traced back to those three principles and how we have related to them. So when I say, I bring the word of God and I say, please do not fear, no fear, the answer is right there. No fear, do not fear, for I am with you. God is ever present in my life. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, I, am, I will be your strength, and I will help you. That is God's protection. Do not be afraid because I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. That is God's provision. Can you see that? So as you face the new world, the new year, as you face the responsibilities and the things that are going to come your way, because they are going to come your way, remember these words. Jesus speaking to his disciples right before He's about to go out to be crucified in the upper room. You remember that? He tells his disciples, in this world, you will face affliction. And let me stop that. I'm stopping there for a reason. Do you hear the statement, in this world, you will face affliction it's not you might you may probably as long as we are I say this often as long as we are on this side of eternity we will face affliction we will face troubles the bank the bank card will not work the car will not start in the morning we may get a letter from someone that gives, keeps us frightened. You know, we may go to the doctor and hear news that we don't want to hear. 
we may look at the, uh, the covers at the house and see that everything is empty. We will face affliction. But Jesus finishes that statement with another one that we have heard today. But fear not, I have overcome the world. You understand what that means? I'm going to read it, and now I'm going to say it completely. Jesus said to his disciples, In this world, you will face affliction. But fear not, I have overcome the world. I got you. I got you covered. I got your back. Story goes of a child that was very, very afraid because it was a thought there was a thunderstorm outside. And daddy was just in the next room, maybe reading a book or something, who knows, maybe, maybe playing with his iPad, whatever the case is. Dad is in the other room, next, next room to the boy. And the thunder and the rumblings and the, dr and the rain kept sounding and pounding, and he stood up and went to Daddy's room and jumped on his leg and said, Daddy, are you going to be with me tonight? Yeah. I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. Sure, Daddy? Yes. Took him back to the room, covered him up, and came back to the room where he was reading. Daddy, are you there? Yes, I'm there. I'm here. Five minutes later, Daddy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Five minutes later, Daddy, are you there? Yes, my sweet boy, I'm here. And then he realized, all my son needs right now, as he is afraid, is the assurance that I am here, that I will not leave him alone. As children, you and I need to be reassured on a daily basis. That's why it, sound, it appears in the Bible 365 times. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Oops. I think you need, we need a break. Oh, thank you. No, there is no song. No song? No, there is nothing. There is no song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. <clears throat> this world is filled with challenges and difficulties and problems and things that take away, take away our peace. Things that cause us to be fearful. Remind us, Lord, that we need not fear because you are with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. There is nothing that can separate us from your firm grasp. Thank you, Father, that we can rest assured in your righteous right hand, knowing full well 
that you will never let go of us. In Jesus' name, amen.